Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is the author of the new book, Stage by Stage, John Graham. If you've ever wanted to move from close-up magic to big fancy theaters, then this is the conversation for you. Nick Lacapo stops by the show to discuss the feature product of the week that went viral on TikTok. But before all of that, the show kicks off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians discuss their favorite magic tricks, but they have to beat a timer set to five minutes. This time, it's Josh Janowski on the Top 5 Under 5. Josh Janowski, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the Top 5 Under 5. Give me your Top 5 Tricks in Under 5 Minutes. And these can be in no particular order. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, I was going to say, I was trying to figure out what order to put them. So, no particular no order. No particular order, but we're still going to start off with number five. Okay. Um, I, You know what? It, I feel like probably everyone says this, but uh, WikiTest by Mark Kirstie, like Not Mark, everybody says that, but I love really? WikiTest. Okay. It's a really great trick. Well, they're all wrong because, like, you're right, but they're yeah. all wrong because it's fantastic. Like, Mark, Mark is a really good friend of mine, so, like, I'm a little bit biased. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this it's just such a great trick. Like, there's a reason that Blaine used it in his special, and it, it's, it's one of the things I have with me all the time. Same. And, for for yeah. listeners who are unaware, WikiTest is an app made by Mark Kirstein, and essentially what it is is a way for you to not only divine the word that somebody looked up on Wikipedia, but also uh, another word in the article from the word that they looked up on Wikipedia. It's, I mean, it's kind of a book test inside exactly. of an iPhone, but on a website that everybody knows, it's really, really strong. And, yeah, and also, it's like ahead. a bonus too because everything of Mark's like connects with each other. So yeah. like now, like when when the trick first came out, I was like, "This is my favorite app," and yeah. like now it just keeps on getting more exciting because it's like, "Oh, by the way, do you also want to do this amazing trick while doing wiki tests?" So yeah, that uh, has to be the first one I mentioned because literally I don't ever like not perform it. It's it's so good. I don't want to like give away too much, but. Um... The functionality with the watch is just like next level. It's it. I mean, everybody yeah. who's making apps should just like look at what Mark has done. It from like a routining standpoint and from like a secrecy standpoint, it's a very very strong trick. A hundred percent. Yeah. No. Mark. Mark. Basically, whenever I see Mark's name, like I get it. Yeah. Like, I I don't even have to know what it is. I'm like, all right, cool, Mark. Here's my money. Please, please give me, please give me whatever goodness you have created today. All right, let's move uh, on to number four. Number four, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go with w- literally my oldest friend in magic, uh, Jeff Price, mm-hmm. uh, Monkey in the Middle. He, that it, again, since we're talking about things that like I carry with me, yeah. If if you have not seen his thing, like go go to a convention, find Plain Sight, and be like Jeff, show me the key and. That's all you need to know. It's it is if like it's Q who makes the gadgets for James Bond, right? Like if Q yeah. made magic tricks, it would be. Monkey. So are we going with Plain Sight by Jeff Price? Uh, Plain Sight Magic is, Pla- oh. is, is is the company. Plain Sight uh, Magic, but then the the trick is Monkey in the Middle. Monkey in the Middle from from or I think he calls it just Monkey M O N dash K E Y. Yes, uh, because Monkey in the Middle is a sandwich effect by Bill Goldman. Um, yeah, but the, so the monkey, it's just Monkey. There we go. Yeah, well, this uh, is the key. and the, is this the is this the one where the the thing moves? The yeah, it's so it, it's basically it's the classic like monkey bar mm-hmm. trick, but instead he's condensed it into a key. 
yeah, that the, can be like examined. It's like it's it's insane. Like it literally like when he first like described it to me and showed yeah. me his first prototype, I was just like, okay, like haha, very funny. What is the actual trick? And yeah. then he showed it to me, and I was just like, oh. So you're a genius. Thanks yeah. for making me feel incredibly self-conscious right now. It's a key with three holes in the top and then a split ring, like the, your normal key ring is in yeah. one of them and the, key, and the key ring moves through the holes. Exactly. And my favorite thing about this thing is the first time Jeff showed it to me was at a convention and he brings out a 3D printed model of the inner workings of it that is like, yep. like six inches across and he's like, this is what's going on inside the key. And it's... It's and it looks like it's engineered by NASA. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I think like MI six, NASA, like the, the Pentagon, everyone was involved yeah. in in this creation. It's it's insane. So yeah, ha- I have to have to mention that right. one. Monkey by sure. Jeff Brace. Let's move on to number three. Number three. Um, I mean, I, I I think I'm just gonna stick with the theme of things that I carry with me. Uh, <laughs> so I I have a wallet. Um, and it's called the Hermes wallet. And I, Ooh, Nick so, Popa, our camera guy carries the Hermes wallet. He's a he huge Nick, fan of it. Yeah. Nick was one of the first people who had one. Uh, so shout out to, to Popa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my Hermes wallet is, is definitely one of my favorites. Cause like there are so many magic wallets mm-hmm. out there and I have like all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a serious problem, but like what I really wanted is for years I've wanted a wallet that does all the things that I want and like there have been a bunch of wallets that be like oh we do all these things but like when you really look at it like they do one thing really well and then they kind of do the other things yeah and so it was important for me to like make a wallet that actually did all the stuff that I wanted and it, it's not like it, it's got like peaks and card to wallet and exactly yeah it's multiple card to wallets it has a peak uh, it mm-hmm. has a fantastic switching device from Cameron Francis mm-hmm. uh, the wallet transformer he was gracious enough to to let us include that so we we, we added an up uh, a little update to it um, and so I love that because it lets me carry like my regular stuff but it also lets me carry like my gimmick bills yeah that people know that I love to use <laughs> um, so yeah I, I have to mention that one just because it, it literally is like my every day wallet i know like a lot of people be like oh i use this every day but like no like this is legitimately always in my pocket because it's yeah. actually what i use it's incredible as my, a regular wallet so all right let's move um, on to number two number two um ring thing garrett thomas oh like, again garrett is yeah. is one of my favorite human beings uh i i always get excited when when we have a chat and ring thing is incredible ironically i learned ring thing first uh from greg wilson and yeah. he was uh on on the spot yeah it's um, in, the or the in spot. action it was one of those uh he taught it on and that was the first time i learned ring thing and like I didn't know who Garrett was at the time, which shame on past Josh because Garrett's incredible. Yeah. And then I met Garrett and then it like it clicked that he was the guy who who did the thing with the ring. And yeah, blew blew me away. Um and just watching him perform it too is like unreal. Like yeah. I thought I did it well and I had been told by other magicians, like, Oh wow, you do that well and then mm-hmm. I watched Garrett and I was just like, I need to retire yeah. my fingers now. <laughs> like I can't compete. Garrett's hand Garrett Garrett's work on it is amazing and it's it's really apparent when you actually watch the ring thing tutorial because for for listeners the ring thing is that thing where you take off a ring and you throw it and it appears back on your finger. That is Garrett Thomas's. But the the instructional portion of it is crazy because he takes you through 
the way to do it, but also he shows you all of the ways not to do it, which is just yeah. so important. But exactly, we we have to we have to move on because we're we're way over five minutes. But I think that's oh, okay because these are great great uh, uh, tricks to win a great discussion. Uh, give me number one. Number one, honestly, this is this was a toss up because there there it was kind of two that I was fighting for it, and mm-hmm. I, I think the, the the final one I'll mention. Um, is I have an effect called IG. Mm-hmm. Um, it I, I performed it in my Penguin lecture, um, and it's an Instagram prediction. Mm. Um, and it's it's honestly it's one of those things that like I just always have ready to go. And what's nice is you can do it with other people's phones. You you don't need like a special app. You don't need electronic devices that cost seven hundred dollars. That send impulses through your brain to a, like no like yeah. it uses their phone their instagram and it's a way of literally like revealing anything on a post that you made years ago um potentially and i it's it's one of those things that like i love having on me uh because if i if someone asks me like hey can you do a trick like i can do that without really thinking about it i don't have to worry about like oh man i i don't have my flipper dollar setup or something like that. Like it's nice knowing that I can just get into it. And also in like this world of like social media, like I, it's such an important trick in my opinion, Yeah. because I used to perform as a restaurant magician, uh, before I moved to, to Canada and I performed at a restaurant right next to UCF, which is like the largest university in the United States. And so I would perform this like night after night after night and I got so many followers just because of this trick, which That's was incredible. great because it, it's an organic way of like building your social media. And you also don't have to worry that you have like 50,000 fake followers kind of <laughs> deal. Cause like, you know that the people who are following yeah. you actually want to see your content. Uh, it's, it's an incredible prediction. Well, Josh Janowski, thanks so much for, for sharing these tricks with us. And thanks so much for joining us on the top five under five. Thanks to Josh Janowski for joining me on the show. As always, our quickfire segments are brought to you by Shazam, the podcast that hopes to make itself obsolete. Be sure to check out their February 14th episode where Samuel Porteous will be discussing his new book on Chunling Su. Go check it out. Kayla is doing some pretty cool stuff. On to the main event. Many magicians start their hobby and careers in the trenches as a close-up worker. Occasionally, they transition from table magic to the big stage. That move is rarely covered and even more rarely written about until now. John Graham has written a book called Stage by Stage regarding just that topic. I know it's something that I've been wrestling with as I make my show bigger and bigger. And John was just the guy to talk about it, and now you get to join our conversation. John Graham, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Uh, you recently wrote a book uh, that is out. You can pick it up on Penguin magic and it's called stage by stage and i think this is really interesting um because it's tell our listeners a little bit about what it's about but essentially it's it's doing stage magic which i which i i find as a fascinating topic as a close-up worker who's transitioning into stage myself yeah and that's exactly what it is it's about transitioning from close-up to parlor to stage and then also incorporating um routining and structure into your show and then adding in other elements like comedy and music and working with different types of tables and cases so that your show can flow and so they can transport your show easily and about putting it all together and all the, you know, from planning your show to performing your show to perfecting your show. And it really does kind of meet the close-up magician right where he is, right in the beginning as a close-up magician and then slowly um, transitions into doing bigger magic or for big magic for bigger audiences, 
and then you know putting together a full complete stage show just i'm curious as to how you started down this road yourself because i i know that i never really had a reason to put together a stage show because a a lot of the magic i like is close up b a lot of the stuff I was getting booked on was sort of like, you know, cocktail hours, you know, uh, wedding receptions, things like that. And, um, I wasn't really being, no one was really asking me to do stage. And it wasn't until, you know, I sort of like started winning awards and getting on television and becoming a little bit no, more notable that my clients started saying, well, Hey, can you entertain, you know, people at this sales meeting or at this, you know, sort of event we want, we want people to be seated. I guess, how did that happen for you? Well, I was working, I was the same, doing mostly close-up magic all the time. And it's, there's a lot to be said for having one little case Mm -hmm. and traveling around and not needing to worry about sound systems and uh, uh, angles and stages and stuff like that. But I was working in a lot of resorts where they had stages and I was doing close-up magic in the restaurants and in the lobbies of these hotels and um but they had stages and they had bands and they had comedians and you know you kind of look at the stage and you think i would like to do a stage show but magic was not a thing that these resorts were using i mean just to be candid about it they said magic does not work on our stages hmm. but i wanted to do a stage show and the way i kind of went into um creating the show was looking at my close-up repertoire and realizing that I could do some of the tricks that I was doing close up on stage. And the advantage of that is that now you can get on stage in front of hundreds of people for the first time, and you can do something that you've already done thousands of times. And now the audience knows, okay, he knows what he's doing. We're kind of in good hands with this guy. And not every close up trick works on stage, but tricks that do enable you to get through those first few moments of your show And then you can do bigger material or material that maybe you're not as sure of because everything is new when you're first putting together your stage show. So that was where it started with me. Is, is most of, would it be fair to say that most of the work you're doing now is stage shows, stage material? Absolutely. I would say 95% stage shows, which is a good thing that I did make that transition Mm -hmm. because the resorts were hiring me to do close up magic all the time. And then little by little, they were hiring me less and less for close-up magic. But then by that time, I had the stage show. And so now I could do it. And I, I, I love close-up magic. I love doing close-up magic for people, especially after a show. Mm-hmm. Because you were, now you were the guy on stage, but now they get to know you a little bit and you do something personal just for them and something that has a great impact on people. They really love that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I know that... Some of the strongest magic that I've done is uh, is, is after a show. I mean, it, it's it's the same stuff that I'm doing, you know, in my normal everyday repertoire, but it hits a little bit different after they've spent, you know, an hour with me on stage. Yeah, it, it's special, and it's um, it's also something to think about, you know, when we do magic for people who aren't expecting it, mm-hmm. or for people who don't get to see it. I do magic professionally. So when I'm not working, I'm really almost not even thinking about doing magic for people, Mm -hmm. but I want to be more mindful of it because I want to do magic for people who don't have the opportunity to see magic. Maybe they're not going to the types of parties that we're working. Maybe they're not staying at the resorts where we're working. 
they might just be doing their job day in and day out and they might be happy and they might be content, but you could do a trick for them that really changes someone's day around and makes them think, you know what? I really needed that today. That was really great. So I want to be more mindful of that, you know? When you, so when you first started down this road, I think what were some of the biggest hurdles for you? Was it understanding how to play up and out? Was it just like learning to manage the sound system? Was it thinking, oh, I don't need music cues and then discovering that like, oh, it actually like it hits way harder when you've got, you know, just a little bit of like accent music or something like that. Like what, what was it for you that was the biggest stumbling block in the beginning? I would say all of those things that you mentioned. <laughs> just, just everything. Just the enormity of stage magic. Absolutely, yes. Because it was all new. And now mm. you're doing a show and all of your material is untested. I mean, imagine that. 45 mm. minutes of stuff you've never done before. That's a lot. Yeah. You, know, you can't sandwich a new piece right in between two existing pieces because there are no existing pieces. Mm. Um, so, But one of the biggest hurdles early on is um finding the flow mm -hmm. you know doing a show but not making it feel like okay here's a trick okay now that trick's done okay now here's the next trick yeah okay now that trick's done okay now for this trick okay now that one's done or calling people up mm -hmm. for every single trick in your show okay come on up you were great you can go back who's going to come up for the next one finding the way to make the show flow so that it doesn't feel like all of the procedure phase is just the boring part until you get to the actual trick. Yeah. And how do you do that? And you find out we've all watched David Copperfield walk into the audience to get a girl from the audience and bring her up on stage. Mm -hmm. Well, that's cool because he's David Copperfield and oh my God, <laughs> he's in the audience and he's right next to me. When you do it, yeah. it's just a stage weight. It's like, come on, let's get on with it. Why are you leaving the stage? Why not just call somebody up? Yeah. And little bit of time that way I but these are the things that you learn I remember one of the first stage shows that I had put together I realized that I was getting up a new person for each trick and it was I, I started calling it the up down problem and I was like how do I just eliminate people from my show I just want to get rid of the people <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it is a problem because you know the people aren't a problem but just that flow why mm. is it that every trick feels like an audience participation trick. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by Charge Card. Nick Lacapo joined me via Zoom to discuss this techno trickery. Nick, the other day my phone was at two, maybe three percent, and mm -hmm. uh, you came in clutch with uh, you were able to charge that that up, right up. Yeah, the uh, the Charge Card. You'd never seen that before. I'd right? never. It completely fooled me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not. It's it's just something that you can carry with you. It's like a little card, looks like a credit card, and then it stores a certain amount of battery power on it, and you can place it on top of your phone, and then you can just watch it, watch it charge, and that's 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 basically it. And how was your phone afterward? It was charged. No, it actually wasn't because it turns out it's just a <laughs> magic trick. <laughs> Uh, I I love this thing. It's like a, it's like a weird prank slash like uh, really sort of like fun trick that like yeah. people just like it's in that area of believability because you might have something like this. I mean, sure, I have wireless charging for my phone. It's just not in a credit card format. Sure, yeah, everything about this. So the the card itself, it looks like a credit card. It says charge card in the front, and on the back, it's got all this like weird circuitry and. So it looks like 
if you handed it to somebody and told them, hey, this credit card charges your phone, they're going to be skeptical. But at the same time, they're like, I don't know. It it looks real. The, The card itself is an illusion, right? So then when it actually does, when you tell them what it does, when you put it on top of your phone and they see the battery increase, I mean, you're basically selling a, um, you, you, you're kind of just selling like a lie or a prank or, or, or something, you know, like on uh, th- this video kind of blew up on TikTok. It was just a random magician doing this for somebody and it, it played for totally real. Like if you look at the comments on the, um, on the video, everybody's like, where can I buy one of those? Like as if, if they thought it was some sort of real piece of technology. Uh, and that's kind of the goal behind the whole thing. It's, it's really, really smart. I think one of the cool things about this is it's it, the routine has been constructed so that it works on iPhones, Androids. I mean, it ju- it just kind of works, and it doesn't use any apps that you have to install. Uh, it takes advantage of sort of inbuilt software already in these operating systems, so mm-hmm. that it takes just a couple of minutes to set up. But once it's set up, you know, you just throw this thing yeah. in your wallet, and you're ready to perform it at a moment's notice. And it's not like a big sort of like punch you in the face. Oh man, that's a miracle trick. It's just like. It's just a neat piece of sort of like casual magic that is yeah. crazy convincing. You know, like I, I did it for my my hairdresser and she thought it was hilarious. And then I showed her how it worked and gave her it, gave it to her. Yeah. Right. Because it, it's like something that a layman could do. You know, it's almost <laughs> so it's, it's kind of in that world. It's great. Um, and it's uh, it's like you said the, about the technology. Mm-hmm. It actually has, it's kind of old. And it's survived all the technology changes up until right now. So, like, I think I remember seeing this back in 2016, 2017. Yeah. So, it's uh, it, the way that it works is, is the, the technology test of time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. Check out Charge Card on Penguin Magic. That was Charge Card, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, our sensational listeners receive 25% off the feature product of the week when they enter that special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is RECHARGE. That's RECHARGE, all one word, R-E-C-H-A-R-G-E, for 25% off Charge Card at penguinmagic.com. That code is only good for Charge Card and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with John Graham. Yeah, well, it is a problem because, you know, the people aren't a problem, but just that flow. Why is it that every trick feels like an audience participation trick? Yeah. So that is one thing that I go into the book about, um, you know, using the same volunteer for several tricks and routining those tricks together and then just doing something in between. And if you don't have a trick that doesn't use an audience member on stage, you can do a joke Mm -hmm. or you can tell a story or something like that in between getting the person up. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a real thing when you're starting out. And then what's the other problem? Every trick that you look at when you're kind of mining material is a card trick. Yeah. Or mentalism. Yeah, it's it's astonishing to me the more, the deeper I got. I looked at my show once and I went, oh my God, I'm a mentalist. And I, I was like, I do not want to be a mentalist, but it's just, it's so easy. I was having a conversation with Nick Lacapo about this, about how it is, it's so easy for every trick when you're doing stage to just be like, oh, well, uh, uh, if I make this mentalism, it's easy because the, the, the revelation is verbal. And it's... It, it, the show lacks texture if, if you if you keep doing that. Yeah, and also, um, and it's okay if you're advertising yourself as a mentalist, but like you said, mm-hmm. you didn't want to be looked at as a mentalist. 
mentalist. Yeah, because you were drawn to all of this material that was mentalism. And I mean this with all of the malice and forethought that I'm about to say it. But who would want to be a mentalist? Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> Wants to get paid more and have a little more respect than. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, John, tell me a little bit more about the book stage by stage. Like how, how do you, I mean, are you giving people like exercises or, or is it a roadmap or tell me, tell me more about the book itself. Yeah, I would say it's more of a roadmap. My entire act is described in the book. And what I try to do is, like I said, meet the reader right where he is as a close-up magician, mm-hmm. go from close-up to parlor to platform to stage routine those tricks together add in comedy and music and literally give my entire act by way of example but not just by way of example i'm not holding anything back if somebody sees something or reads something that they like and they want to use they can do it Mm -hmm. but then also after giving them everything that they could possibly need slowly weaning them away from giving them everything that they can need and then giving them the encouragement to do it for themselves. So that's what you'll find as you get towards the end of the book, mm-hmm. that now I'm not giving you all of the answers. I'm helping you to find the answers and to ask the right questions. So I think I don't think people want to read a book and say, okay, this is an act that works. I mm-hmm. should just do this. I think people want to read the book for inspiration. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hoping is that someone might read a trick in the book and say, you know, I like this trick. I like that presentation. I want to use that trick. Then you keep reading a little bit and then you say, oh, this is interesting. Now he's giving me an idea for how I can use that trick in conjunction with this other trick. And now my opening effect can relate to my closing effect. Yeah. And just by doing that, making your opening effect relate to your closing effect, you can make your whole show feel like a show. Even if all of the tricks in the middle weren't related to each other and weren't related to your opening and weren't related to your closing, your show has a harmony to it now. Mm -hmm. And then you find more of those examples. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly on the hunt for a new opener because I don't like my current one. And, uh, and, and I'm constantly trying to figure out how to relate it to a closer that I actually want to do. Um, and, and that is, it's, it's a difficult thing finding these, these nuggets of information. Let me ask you a a slightly different question. Um, when you, when you were first moving from close up to, to, to stage, where did you road test these bits? Where did you, where did you road test any of this? I mean, I think that's the, the, I feel like the reason a lot of close up, a lot of magicians are drawn to close up is because it's immediately accessible. You can just, as soon as you, you are done practicing and you think you're ready to perform, you can like go in the other room and find your roommate, your wife, your husband, your girlfriend, your partner, uh, uh, and, and just do the trick immediately. Stage tricks are not like that. Where did you sort of get the flight time on them? Was it at the gig itself or were you finding other little areas and ways to do the tricks and, and really perform them? Yeah, it's a good question. And one of the best ways, in my opinion, and what I've done is to do some of these stage tricks in close-up situations that I was already working in. Mm -hmm. And even if it wouldn't be an appropriate trick for a close-up audience, Mm -hmm. it didn't matter because I had to learn this and they were going to be part of the process with me. So um, a trick that I love is Daryl's rope routine. Mm -hmm. 
but that is not a trick that I think of as a close-up trick. I mean, the longest piece of rope is about five feet long and you have three pieces of rope. And that's a trick that could be seen on stage for hundreds of people without any kind of video support. Mm -hmm. So it's really not a close-up trick, but I practiced it and learned it, loved it, still love it, but I was doing mostly close-up gigs. So what did I do? I did it during my close-up shows. Mm -hmm. This way, I can try it out. I can see what the audience is thinking. I can see how they're reacting. I can watch their eyes and see if they're suspicious of any of the moments. Mm -hmm. And if you're good enough to be deceptive with it in a close-up situation, then you're probably going to be deceptive with it in a stage situation as well. And then I would look for every opportunity to work my routines in front of an audience. So if I was doing close-up magic in a restaurant, and a small group came into the banquet room because they're having a little party. Mm -hmm. I would suggest, you know, I'm the magician in the restaurant. If you like, I can perform for your guests as well. And why don't we do a little show? Just a little 10 or 15 minute show. It's not going to interrupt with the flow of the rest of their event. Mm -hmm. And they usually are pleased to have that because, you know, they didn't know what they were going to do to keep everybody occupied and entertained. And it's not costing them anything. And you get to work out your routines. Mm, that's a great so, tip. Yeah. And to not look down on it. Don't say to yourself, well, I don't plan to be in a restaurant banquet room. Well, that's fine. But you need to work out your routines. And you'll learn so much from that one performance. You will learn, oh, it's always better if the guy stands on my left side. I didn't think of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't realize I was going to need this thing from my case. I could have that in my pocket. And now I don't have to go back to my case for it. You can learn a lot from doing it one time, especially if you really think about it after the show. Yeah, there's just there's stuff that you can't learn in rehearsal. Like you've got it. It's uh, what's the, what's the old famous line? Uh, every every pl no plan survives first contact with the enemy. And I feel like it's the same way with a show. Every every time I go out there and, and do a stage show now, I'm like, oh. You know, there's, I, I can't have this in my pocket because I got to fish a watch out of there. or I got to do this or, or, you know, where am I going to put that ceramic egg? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. The yeah. stuff that you, you, you learn when you do it under fire. It's amazing. Think about a Broadway show where they, you know, somebody has written the show, mm -hmm. somebody has directed the show, they've practiced, they've rehearsed, and then they do um, a dress rehearsal. Now they're performing it exactly as they plan to do it in front of an audience. And then they'll do it again. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is it. And then on that opening night, they perform this. Now there's people in the audience. And now right away they go back and say, well, we have to change this. We have to change that. This yeah. doesn't work here. Now, how can you tell? I mean, the audience didn't tell you this works for us. This doesn't work for us. But that energy mm -hmm. and that feeling that you can pick up on from the audience reveals what you need to change and improve well I, I completely agree i wish this this is the kind of book that i wish had been written four or five years ago when i was first taking my own journey from close-up to stage because there's just there's not a lot of literature about moving from the the close-up environment where we all sort of start and then getting to the point where we can do stage i i can't wait to pick it up and read it um it's going to be it's going to be I, th I think it's going to be moving up higher on my list, especially now that I'm talking to you. Uh, the book is Stage by Stage. John, thanks so much for, for joining me on the podcast and, uh, and sharing it with people. 
Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to John Graham for being on the show, and thanks to you for listening. You can pick up John's book at penguinmagic.com. There's a link in the show description below. It is worth the read. Next week on the show, I talk to an incredible creator about how the art of animation has influenced the way he approaches magic. We also talk about his work on the hit movie Spider-Man No Way Home. Josh Janowski is my guest. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you are arguing about Quantum Deck on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll have to wait until I land because I'm on my way to Blackpool, baby. Stop by the booth and say hello. Myself, Nick Lacapo, Roddy McGee are all going to be hanging out at Blackpool uh, this coming week. We are looking forward to hanging out with all of you. However, if going to the largest magic convention in the world isn't something that you can do this week, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Theater, practice, practice, perform.